You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. I wonder what it will be like to be married. The question churned over Mary's head. She continued to wonder, will we be happy? Will Joseph Joseph love me for my entire life? These questions are not unusual for any bride-to-be. Mary simply wants to love Joseph and care for a family. Mary posed another question to herself. Is this God's will for my life? And then she immediately answers her question. It is. I am sure of it. Mary was young but old enough for marriage. Her disposition is quiet, but you could also sense an inner strength, especially when it comes to her faith. Up to this point, Mary's life is not much to talk about. She is a Galilean Jew from the town of Nazareth, about 65 miles directly north of the holy city, Jerusalem. Nazareth is a nondescript town. Many consider it a backwards village full of country bumpkins. No one traveled to Nazareth for anything. And no one from Nazareth traveled away unless there was a compelling reason. Despite its lack of notoriety, Mary doesn't mind Nazareth. It has everything she needs. And besides, it's where God has her. And it's where she is to be married to Joseph. Joseph is a simple man. He's much older than Mary and a hard worker. He didn't agonize over marriage questions like Mary, but he is eager to build a life with her. Growing up, Joseph learned to work with his hands, which had allowed him to become a skilled carpenter. Carpentry will surely be the skill he will pass down to his sons. His talents have allowed him a steady income, which is necessary if he is going to take Mary as his wife. It wasn't long ago when Joseph was betrothed to Mary. Betrothal, though, for Mary and Joseph is the next formal step toward marriage. When Mary and Joseph were younger, their parents arranged for them to be married. And as years went by, it became clear their parents' arrangements was a good idea. So their betrothal was not unexpected, and in a small town like Nazareth, everyone knew about their budding relationship. If there's one word Joseph would use to describe his future life with Mary, it is simple. He wants to love her, work hard, provide for his family. He desires a simple life. Joseph, along with Mary, faithfully attends synagogue. He had every intention of raising a family in a Jewish home. After all, located in Joseph's family tree is the great King David. Even though being from Nazareth is nothing to write home about, he is a descendant of the greatest king of Israel, which was highly respected. While Joseph is full of faith, He had been wrestling with a passage 
that was spoken at synagogue on the previous Sabbath day. The passage was from the prophet Isaiah, which says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What did this mean, Joseph thought? Joseph initially took these words from the prophet and applied it to, naturally, Isaiah's context. Joseph had thought, surely Isaiah was prophesying about a child to be born during his time. But Joseph could not help to think that these words meant something else, something more profound. But he couldn't put his thumb on it. It was not long after their betrothal when Mary and Joseph experienced change in an unanticipated and unexpected way. One night, Mary was doing evening prayers when all of a sudden a burst of light came through her window to her right. The light was so bright it blinded her for a moment. Then, standing in front of her was an angel. He said his name is Gabriel. And he had been sent from God to speak to her. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary, for a moment, just stood and stared. She was confused, trying to discern why an angel showed up to her house. And what did his words, O favored one, mean? The angel continued to speak, attempting to reassure Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. There's that word again, favored. Despite the confusion, Gabriel's words provided comfort to her soul. Mary began to think, I've been a good Jew, and surely the angel's words are a means of grace for me. Then in the midst of her musings, the reason for the angel's appearance was made clear. He said with a soothing voice, Behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. What? None of this makes sense, Mary thought. Sure, she was going to have children after she marries Joseph, but pregnant right now? How? Nothing from what the angel said was adding up. Mary was so baffled at the idea of being pregnant that what the angel said about an everlasting kingdom didn't even register. With trepidation and strength, Mary asked the glaringly obvious question. How will this be done since I am a virgin? Anticipating the question, the angel answered with clarity and conviction. Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
The angel concluded with these words about Mary's relative, Elizabeth. And consider your relative, Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. In previous weeks, Mary had heard a rumor Elizabeth was pregnant, which did seem impossible. She and Zechariah had been trying to have children for years. Elizabeth felt that her inability to conceive was somehow a mark against her life, but those last words from the angel ring true, and Elizabeth's situation reminded Mary of a story she heard at synagogue about Abraham and his barren wife, Sarah. They also thought it was impossible to get pregnant. Still, they, like Mary, Elizabeth, and Zechariah, learned nothing is impossible with God. Then, with surrender, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. When Mary finished speaking, Gabriel was gone. The room once again silent, and Mary was left alone with her thoughts. There was so much to process. She's now pregnant with, what did the angel say? The Son of God? It became clear to Mary that her pregnancy was different from Elizabeth and Sarah. Her child from the backwoods town of Nazareth is going to be a king? Even though Mary was processing She knew deep down that everything the angel said is right. With excitement and reverence, she began to pray. But in a moment, her mood changed. What was she going to tell Joseph? What will everyone in the village think of her being pregnant before she marries Joseph? Will Joseph believe what seems to be an unbelievable story? All these questions swirled in her head. She did trust the Lord, but she also realized that Joseph would need to know she is pregnant and it isn't because of him. It wasn't long, long after when Mary sat Joseph down to tell him the news His initial reaction was the same as Mary when the angel appeared to her, which was confusion. Along with confusion, Joseph began to battle disbelief. He thought, how on earth could Mary be pregnant because of God? It wasn't making any sense, but Joseph had no reason to not believe Mary. Joseph also thought about the social implications. Once people find out Mary is pregnant before marriage, she will be shamed and shunned. So to make the best of a seemingly impossible situation, Joseph devised a plan. Joseph did have a reputation of being a righteous man. And being a righteous man, he is unwilling to see Mary go through unnecessary public shame. Therefore, he decided to divorce her quietly. He's going to call off the betrothal. These actions will free him from public humiliation and allow Mary to plan her path forward. 
The next day, he is going to go to Mary's family and to his parents to explain the situation. But the impossible happened again. And this time, it happened to Joseph. That evening, after he fell asleep, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Then the angel spoke from the prophet Isaiah, the same book that left Joseph pondering just days prior. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken to the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. The moment the dream ended, Joseph woke up with unusual clarity. The words from the prophet Isaiah were beginning to make sense. The clarity he received from the scriptures gave him a strange conviction about how to move forward with Mary. He is going to marry her, and until then, he will remain chaste. And he will call this child Jesus. So much confusion was now made clear, but a new question emerged in Joseph's mind. He spoke quietly to himself. What did the angel mean when he said, the child is going to save people from their sins? Were not the temple sacrifices, as, as it's outlined by God in the scriptures, sufficient to, us, to atone for sins? With clarity, came more questions. The next day, Joseph did not go to Mary's parents or his own, but he went straight to Mary. Joseph explained what the angel told him. Mary, ever happy to marry Joseph, also saw the hand of God all over their lives. Months had gone by, and the anticipation of being parents was growing. Since Joseph's recommitment to Mary, the two are planning their futures together while at the same time wondering what will take place in light of what the angel had told them. Mary's due date was fast approaching and then they received untimely news. The Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus was calling a census. Everyone in the empire needed to register in the town from which they initially had come from. Because Joseph is of the family line of David, he has to go to Bethlehem to register. To make matters worse, the ever-pregnant Mary is to accompany Joseph since, she, since they were betrothed. She is to be registered with Joseph. After packing up a few things, Joseph placed Mary and their items on a donkey, which he had borrowed from a friend. And away they went. What lie ahead is a 90-mile journey to Bethlehem. They were to go south along the flatlands of the Jordan River, then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem, which eventually leads them into their destination. 90 long miles of thinking, praying, 
and wondering. As Joseph leads Mary and the donkey clutching an old cloth halter, the words of the angel continue to echo in his head, and he will save his people from their sins. Joseph thought, who are his people, and how will he save? The questions piled up in Joseph's mind. The arduous journey to Bethlehem was coming to an end. They had arrived at dusk. Each minute passed, the sun went down, and the stars began to light the way. Mary had traveled valiantly, but with increasing discomfort. It was clear she was ready to give birth. The first challenge for Joseph and Mary was to find lodging. As they traversed the muddy streets of Bethlehem, each place of accommodation was full. All they wanted was a single room, no more. It didn't matter where, just somewhere. It became clear to Joseph that the census had created an influx of visitors to this small town. The town did not have the industry to care for the multitudes, but Joseph persisted and hoped to find something for his wife and child. Each door he knocked on was received with silence or polite refusal. One homeowner who answered the door saw Mary and wanted to take pity on them. Still, his servants' quarters were being rented out. Joseph was giving up hope as he approached one more door. He knocked. The door opened, and Joseph showed the owner what little money he possessed. The owner said, I do not have more room. We are all full. But then the homeowner saw Mary as she winced from a contraction. A thought crossed the homeowner's mind. They could stay in the back with the animals. He offered the spot to Joseph and Mary, and they gladly accepted. Anything was better than their current prospects, which were nothing. Before leading them back, the owner of the house had his wife bring Mary water and fresh hay. Joseph and Mary entered a small stone structure with tiny windows. The room had a distinct smell because of all the animals, but a gentle breeze helped to mitigate the odor. After entering, Mary sat down to rest. The owner's wife, upon seeing Mary, realized what was about to happen. She immediately ushered out the chickens and moved Joseph's donkey to the outside. More fresh hay was brought along with several blankets. Joseph expressed gratitude and ensured he would pay for everything, but the owner and his wife would not hear a word of it. Then, all of a sudden, a loud screech came from Mary. It was time. Just hours before sunrise, with the room lit by a dim candle in the stars, Mary held her baby, and Joseph held Mary. Mary looked lovingly at her baby, who was swaddled in cloth. She was beaming ear to ear. Joseph looked at the baby with joy while continuing to wonder, how will this baby save people from sin? In the middle of thought, several unexpected guests arrived. Shepherds, shepherds who were watching over their flock of sheep 
were told by an angel to go to Bethlehem. The shepherds explained everything to Joseph and Mary. They explained how an angel said to them that the coming Messiah is to be born in the city of David. The moments the shepherds relayed this information, Joseph could not help but think of Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. The shepherds continued to explain how they heard a heavenly host praising God right there in the middle of their field. And the heavenly host was saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. It all seemed surreal to Joseph and Mary. But after everything they had experienced, the story of the shepherds wasn't far-fetched. The shepherds remained for a short time praying and praising God with Joseph, Mary, and their newborn baby. Now one short epilogue. You all know there is more to the story about the birth of Jesus. His presentation at the temple eight days later Uh, Herod's attempt to kill Jesus, the visit from the Magi, but time does not allow for the additional details. However, I want to address the lingering question in the mind of Joseph. How would baby Jesus save his people from their sins? That's what the angel told Joseph. And in the story, I've allowed that question to linger in Joseph's mind. The birth of Jesus has always been God's plan to redeem his people from their sins. You see, we have a sin problem. When we realize we have a sin problem while also recognizing that a holy God can have nothing to do with sin, we are left wondering how we can be reconciled to God. How can we be saved? The answer is Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, did what you and I could not do for ourselves. Over 30 years after He was born, Jesus took the hard road to the cross with a singular goal, to save At the cross, all the sins of God's people have been atoned for. The justice of God has been satisfied. So, Christmas is about much more than the birth of Christ. It's about the spiritual birth for anyone who has faith in Jesus and believes the gospel story. Let's pray.